I'm going to pray for our word this morning that it would pierce the deepest parts of us and make us more like Christ. So you guys bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy, for your hope and for your love. And God, we pray that you would guide us and shape us by the power of your word. God, that we would become people who speak as you speak, with intentionality, with love, with grace, with mercy, and with truth and justice. God, we need you to teach us how to do this. Uh, We need you to transform us. Uh, We need you to grant us faith, God, that we could walk in this. And so, Lord, we pray in this time that you would illuminate your word and make us more like God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, So we're going to do some interaction, okay? So um, I just have a quick question on the front end. How many of you, and just be completely honest, like if you're this self-confident, that's a good thing, okay? But how many of you in the room that if I said that right now, before the whole church, I was going to play an entire recording of everything you said over the last week, who would be cool with that? Yes, one, good for you. That's amazing, very holy. Anybody else? Bayani, did you raise your hand? No, come on, we know you. That's just just kidding, but seriously. No. Uh, Anybody else? So two, two of you? Okay, so two people are that confident that if we were to start scrolling it along, that at some point there wouldn't be something that you'd be like, I better go, right? Like, like that wasn't good. And so, um, man, if I was honest with myself, right, like I I couldn't raise my hand to that uh, because I know that I've said things and communicated things uh, that, man, maybe weren't the best things to say this week, and that's not okay. Right, like we can kind of give it off and kind of this lighthearted, well, I wouldn't, but no, like honestly, it, we should, if you're here and you love Jesus and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit who is, is supposed to be the kind of the mouthpiece of us, the counselor of us, the, the one who transforms us into the likeness of Jesus, who I guarantee you, because it happened that um, if we had to say and write down everything that Jesus said, it would be amazing, right? But for us, uh, we, we don't measure up and I understand that, but we should aim to measure up. Like we should care enough about the way we communicate and the words that we use. And so we're, we're uh, in, in this book of Proverbs right now, and we've chosen kind of five main topics through the book of Proverbs based on some real tough cultural issues that we think people are dealing with in our world today. So two weeks ago, we dealt with anger. Uh, last week, we dealt with lust. And, and today, we're dealing kind of the, the title of the sermon is Communication in a World of Words, right? That, that what we say and how we say it tremendously matters, Okay? And that we don't always handle this perfectly. Just recently, it um, wasn't that long ago, but just recently, Verdi and I, we got in our very first argument. Okay? So never an argument in eight years. We had our very first one. And so uh, I'm talking, and maybe I didn't say the nicest of things, right? Because I'm trying to win. right? I want to win the argument. And so we're going back and forth. And, if, and we've talked about this before, but most times, most fights and arguments, you're usually fighting about the fight and not fighting about any context, right? So it's usually like, well, no, you said it this way. Um, and then I paused and I was very calm. I didn't roll my eyes. You rolled your eyes, uh, which communicated this. And so then I lashed out. But because you, and so that usually is the status of most arguments, which is just foolish. Uh, but anyway, we're having one of those. And so Verdi and I are going back and forth, and I'm saying some things, and, and all of a sudden, uh, she, uh, she leaves the room, and my son was just in the other room. He's only three, like three in a few months, uh, but smart enough to know that mommy and daddy were not just, you know, like just yelling happily. Um, and so he walks in, he says, Daddy, I said, yeah, bud, what's up, you know, putting on the show. He says, were those kind words? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I hate you. Um, LAUGHTER 
Like, I, he's, like you know, because you do your best to train these kids up in righteousness, and that's such a big thing for us. Like, are we, are we raising kids to be kind, right, and, and loving and gracious in the way that they talk and communicate with one another? So it comes with these kind words. And I, man, I just was like, Lord of heaven and earth, like, how dare you use my infant, you know, my toddler son to convict me? And so I kneel down, I get on his level, you know, and I say, son, like, no, those weren't kind words. You know, I'm like confessing before my son. And, uh, and he says, it's okay, don't do it again, <laughs> right? And I was like, tag, dude, all right, savage, okay? So, so my son was preaching to me and, and convicted me, right? Because um, was there anything that was like long-term detrimental in that argument? Was there anything that like I tore her down? No, it was just, it was an argument. And what it was was me desiring uh, to, to win, right? Me desiring uh, for my own self-interest to be raised and to be won over and her to come over to my side of thinking. Um, and this drives so much of our communication because I think the, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us aren't intentionally malicious with our words, but some of the things we say are malicious, right? Some of us aren't intentionally trying to gossip, but then we just do, right? Because it's culture. Sometimes we're not intentionally trying to slander or bring libel upon someone, but we do because we haven't proactively thought through, and how do I communicate well? And in every other issue that we've already talked about, so we dealt with anger, and our desire, hopefully as Christians, is we be less angry, right? Frustrated, and we, we don't lash out as much. We listen more. Uh, last week when we dealt with purity in a world of lust, that we, I mean, usually the desire for the Christian is, I hope I'm more pure, right? Uh, that, that this way I can kind of see God and, and love people well and see my brother and my sister as God sees them. But when you get into kind of communication, there's not many of us that sit down and say, man, I want to use my words better. Like, I don't, I don't know if we often talk about that. I don't know if we put in the time to really triage the way we speak, how we speak, and why we speak, and say, man, I want it to look more like the way Jesus does, because I want to build up, I want to edify, I want to save, I don't want to tear down, to hurt, to gossip, to slander, to be malicious. But, but how often do we actually even spend time thinking that? So that's what today is. It's an opportunity for us to, let's be honest about how we use words and that they're powerful. Now, I had a couple people say, when we were talking about the topics that we were going to talk through this series, and I said, one of them is going to be like words, the words we use. And they said, of all the topics in the book of Proverbs, like, why words? Like, there's so many, like, other kind of big market sins that maybe you could deal with. And so, why words? And I said, man, like, honestly, the more I spend time navigating and thinking through this issue, the bigger I realize it is. That our words are far more powerful than we would ever believe. That words are what led many atrocities over the last 2,000 to beginning of time, right? Like, it was words that deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, right? God didn't say that, Right? And so they're deceived by these cunning words from the serpent. Right? We, we think throughout history, right? So the propaganda of the Nazi regime in Germany as they continued to communicate words that won people over over time. And all of a sudden you had an entire nation that probably was like, how in the world did we get here? But we do believe all of this. And it's because these words are so powerful because they pierce to the deepest parts of us. And we either believe them or we don't. And oftentimes when left in a vacuum, we just believe what's the loudest. And so, man, our words really, really matter. They're, they're powerful. It, it was the words uh, of man using the Bible that legitimized slavery. But then it was also the words of the Bible by man being communicated that liberated people from slavery. And so they used the same words, but in a perverse way and in a righteous way. And so that's available to us today, too. 
that, that your words could be used for goodness and joy and encouragement and celebration and the building up and health for people, or they can be used to hurt and tear down. And not just in this momentary you and another person, but it goes and echoes beyond even your closest relationships on into our world. That's how powerful and how big this stuff is. So um, you can either, and I just kind of wrote some down, like exhort or exaggerate, inspire or interrupt, comfort or complain, dote or deceive, live in fact or falsity, and you can gospel or you can gossip. And there's all of these things, right, that go opposite to one another. And as I run down those lists, I thought to myself, too often I find myself lining up over here and doing some of this when Jesus in the Bible calls me to this. And so these are all the reasons why we need to care. These are all the reasons why the Proverbs were written, was to actually move a people unto righteousness, that the, that the people of God would flourish and those around them would flourish as well. And so that is our desire this morning. Let me just read a handful of scriptures uh, just to talk about how much the Bible cares about this outside of the book of Proverbs even. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This stuff is serious. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And then one from Proverbs to start us off, Proverbs 18, 6, a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating, Okay. So if you get clocked for what you said, that's on you, friend, right? That's like God saying, here you go. Like, this is what you've asked for, okay? And so listen, your words are serious, not just because all of experience throughout the history of the world would tell you so, not because I'm the one up front yelling at you loud enough, but maybe you'll believe it, but because the Bible, the holy inspired word of God says, man, these things matter, and they matter not just now, but on into eternity when you stand before God. And so we need to care about this issue on significant levels. A couple stats for us. Um, I just uh, learned some of this this week, but uh, men speak just under 16,000 words per day, okay? Which is, it's a lot, and I'm sure I'm pulling that average up significantly if you know me, right? So some of you speak like six words, right? And when we have lunch, it's weird, okay? Um, women speak just over 16,000 words. So it's just slightly more. There's not this huge gap that often gets exaggerated within popular culture and media, right? Men speak just under 16,000. Women speak just over 16,000 words a minute. So you have 16,000 chances a day to think through intentionally what you're communicating to the world. That also means that 16,000 times a day, someone is hearing something coming out of your mouth that they are going to interpret for either good or bad, right? Because the other little thing that we need to know is we live in what's called a receiver-based communication culture. In other words, it doesn't really matter what you say or how you say it. How they hear it is what matters. Okay? And this is why social media is such a problem. It's because when you write something in your status and you think it's closed case, it's not closed case, right? Because they're reading it and they hear it and then interpret it in such a way that it's never sometimes what you meant to say. Because that's just the culture that we live in, that the receiver is king. Not the communicator, not the one putting the message out, but rather the one taking the message in. And so we need to know that if we are to communicate well and communicate in this way that brings about life to all those around us. Um, 
The last thing I'll say uh, in kind of this kind of cultural understanding is we just live in a very self-focused culture, right? Like, like the West tends to be driven by this individualistic kind of self-serving reality that has brought much prosperity, but I would dare say has brought much corruption to our hearts at the same time. That, that when you become the center of the universe, then everything obviously revolves around you, and so people exist to then serve you, and so your words then exist to serve you and not serve others. When everything in the Bible says, no, your words are meant to serve others, they're meant to glorify God, serve others, and then you're kind of third in that chain. And yet when we have a culture that's constantly saying, no, you're the center of this thing, it is going to push up against Scripture's call and mandate of how we speak, communicate, and the words we choose to use with one another, Okay. And so all of this is happening as we try and navigate this stuff. Now, um, the first person that has ever spoken was God, right? Like, when we get that in Genesis chapter 1, there was none of us, right? And so God speaks. And so what we need to know out of God being the first one to speak, to use words, to communicate, to speak everything into existence, is that you and I, we find in Genesis chapter 2, are made in God's image, Right? That God, when he decided to create man, he created all these things, but the only thing made in his image was humanity. And, and so naturally then we were given this gift, this, this image-bearing reality that God possesses to speak, and we speak life or we speak death. And so hear me, when you speak, another reason to care is because you are imaging the God of the universe that made this world and is on mission to redeem it. So your words aren't just without power, they are fully powerful because they image God, okay? Um, Let's see, is there anything else before we jump in? No, I think that's it. So um, my desire for us is to care, for us to care more, uh, and then to give us kind of a rubric of how to think through this. And so uh, the first question I want to address is, should we speak and how much, and then how should we speak if if it's we should speak, right? And so uh, my contention, the thesis for this whole thing is, church, our words matter and are needed with wisdom in truth for God's glory. Okay, I'll say it again. Um, Church, our words are needed and matter with wisdom in truth for God's glory. Okay, Uh, And so the first one we're going to look at uh, is Proverbs 10, 19. And and this is going to address the question of of how much we should speak. And then we'll look at 20 and 21. So um, this says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So in other words, sometimes, shh, right? Like sometimes, Vince, be quiet. Sometimes close your mouth and open your ears and listen. Sometimes just re- shh, stop talking so much. 16,000 words, a lot of words. Do you need that much always? And everyone is doing that. And when you have all, everybody speaking at that level, man, every communication strategist says that when you have that average of, of words coming out of the mouths of everyone in our society, especially one as populated as our own, it is impossible for us to truly hear and discern what is true because there's now so much out there, Right? That there's just so much communication that we cannot even discern what we should actually believe anymore. So listen, this is the first thing of wisdom is the, is, is the Bible saying, like, be quiet for a little bit. You, you don't need to always speak. Proverbs, uh, let's see, what's next one? Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. And verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice, right? Like sometimes your words and your opinion, even when they're true, are not the best time to use them. 
So one time, Verity and I, we were, uh, what were we doing? We were, uh, I can't remember. Something was going on, and, and she begins to kind of have this internal struggle and, and battle, and she's starting to be like, dang it, like this is going on, and I'm, and I'm really frustrated, and I'm sad, and we're going to be, this is no, kind of chaos for a moment. And so, man, there's this opportunity then as the loving husband to try and serve and, and give life to my wife. Um, and there's some potential ways to do that. And more often than not, I, I found, especially early on in our marriage, I've chosen the wrong one. And so my kind of token line early on in marriage would be to say in those moments where Verity was struggling with life, would be like, you know, babe, you kind of dysfunctionally disbelieve in the gospel, right? How do you think that went? Okay, not well, okay? Because then that usually meant like a, some form of storming off with a you're the worst person ever, okay? And so because in that moment, right, my desire was like, well, is that true? But kind of, right? Because, I mean, it, does the gospel say that this is probably like God's sovereign and he died for this so you don't have to kind of wear the, bear that burden and all that? Is that all true? Absolutely. Is that the right time to say it? No, Okay? It is, babe, you're functionally disbelieving the guy. Is that? No. And so, listen, now you hear it in this moment, and everyone's like, like I said that, and everyone's like, you are a terrible husband, okay? And that was years ago. I'm amazing now, right? But, um, <laughs> and, and, but I guarantee you, in the moment, you all say things just like that. Maybe you don't use the words that I use, right? But you try and present your truth and your opinion in such a way as to shape the other person based on what's easiest for you in the moment, Okay? Uh, and, and that's what we, we tend to do when sometimes the best thing is to just be quiet. And, and so husbands, when you're trying to love your wives well, wives, when you're trying to love your husbands well, uh, roommates, when you're trying to love your roommates well, friends, when you're trying to love friends well, et cetera, coworkers, when you're trying to love your boss and other coworkers well, et cetera, parents with your kids, man, listen, right? Like you don't need to answer right away. Take some information in, think through it, process it, trust that the Holy Spirit indwells you and then will allow you to respond in the right way. Okay, so sometimes, listen, church, the first thing of advice is let's just be quiet, okay? Um, here's the second one. So uh, this doesn't mean that we don't say anything. Like sometimes we do need to speak. And so verse 20 and 21 we get now in chapter, chapter 10. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Which right now, everyone would be like, oh, silver, that's just disappointing. But um, the, the, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, okay? The, the, right? I, I love that last line, right? The lips of the righteous, the, the lips of the wise, the lips of, of those who want to, like in our, right, they want to follow Jesus, that they bring sustenance, life-giving sustenance and life to those that they fall upon. And is that true for us? It's just like a real easy question that the people, like if we could survey uh, maybe the 50 closest people in your life, right? So like maybe if you're a student, maybe in each class, like the people who sit on either side, uh, maybe your, your professors, okay? Uh, if you work and you have a job, some of your coworkers, surely your family, right? If we just kind of, and your, and your close network of friends, if we ask all those people, man, we'd say, man, their words are constantly breathing life into me. And would that be true for concentric circles as you move outward? Because sometimes what we do is, man, we're really great with the inner circle, but then the next circle, like, ah, they're dead to me, and so I'll say whatever I want, right? 
because we know that these people hold us accountable, so it matters. Uh, but it doesn't matter because I'm not going to see or talk to these people. And again, this is where kind of this social media disconnection allows for us to disengage in that in different ways. And so you say things that you would never say face-to-face, but you will say it online, okay? When asked a question, there was a recent poll when asked, man, would you bring up a disagreement in person based on there was all these different things? And the average numbers came out that only, I believe it was 40% of people said yes, that in person they would openly disagree with someone else on average. When it got brought to online, when people answered, I'd say 87% of people said yes. Now, now what, what is that? right, except for a self-focused, self-motivated, self-protection that cares about you more than the other. That when you're sitting before someone, most people would be quiet, but then, man, 87% of people would be sure to call you out, but from a distance, okay? And so that, that listen, church, like, we, we don't operate, that we're not called to operate that way. We are to speak in such a way that life is given to people. And so we're going to look at four ways how that happens. So uh, it's, it's not silence, okay? So we are, we are supposed to be silent for a moment and to think and to listen, but then we are to speak. And so um, uh, how do we speak, though? And, we're, and I think Proverbs gives us a ton of different ways we can look at this, uh, but we're going to look at four different ones. I think we are too quiet and often don't speak where silence becomes violence, that type of idea uh, in these four years. One, in care and encouragement of others. Uh, that we often don't do that well with our, with our words, and the Bible is going to say some of that. Two, in communicating truth, like truth as opposed to lying, as opposed to falsity. I don't think we do a great job in the Bible to speak to that. The third one is in place of others as an advocate. I don't think that we use our words very well there, but the Bible will call us to. And the last one is uh, in sharing the gospel to people, right, in sharing the gospel for others. And here's the real, reality. James 4.17 will tell us in the, right, the New Testament book of wisdom that he who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he is in sin, right? So, so it's not just this like, okay, is, is gossip sin? Yup, right? Is slander sin? Yup, but also this reality of, man, I'm supposed to do this. This is the way I'm supposed to communicate. I know it. I've been convicted about it. And so now listen, every, all of you have now heard this, of what I said, and so now you're all on the hook, okay? And so now if you don't walk in this, you're walking in sin if the Bible calls you to it. And you can debate me on that but we're going to look at some scriptures that are heavily convicting for my own heart about the way we are to enter into speech with each other. Okay, so the first one, in care and encouragement of others, Proverbs 15, 4. And we're kind of doing greatest hits of what Proverbs has said about the tongue because it's, I mean, there's a lot. Okay, so Proverbs 15, 4 says this, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, the pers- perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Okay, so again, some words will hurt people, and some, some words will, uh, will, will give life to people. And, and this is an option, hear me, that you have every single moment of every single day. And that is kind of crazy and daunting. That, that God, creating us in his image, gave us this power that the words that we say, that the, what we communicate to one another, what we put out there on the internet, right, that all of this can move people in one of two directions, either to death or to life. And, and, and so that is, that is terrifying in many ways. To know that we have that responsibility, that when you talk or you don't talk, man, that that's not just something for yourself, but rather that it is going to have an impact upon actual people, life-breathing people. 
Now, a lot of us, right, we would say, man, I, I want to be spoken to with respect, and I want to be spoken to with love, and, and oftentimes with truth and with candor. Um, like, that's the way you want to be treated, right? But we don't often extend that to others. We forget that these people, that we, uh, we forget really that our words on the other end of our words, rather, are actual human beings with hearts and lives and stories and brokenness and sin and a need for redemption, on and on and on. Like we forget that like what we say doesn't just fall flat on the earth, but rather, no, it lands in the ears of people created in the image of God. And then so, so no, do you choose life or do you choose hurts? Proverbs 16, 24 it says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Literally, you can speak in such a way that it is received as goodness, as sweetness upon the lips. Or you can speak like Proverbs 26, 20, for, the, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. I love this. Where there is a gossip, right? One who gossips, quarrel, or sorry, where there is no gossip, there's no one who gossips quarreling ceases. That is just like, I love that, right? Because, man, that is, that's an easy one we fall into. We just kind of, right, we're just over here and we're just kind of talking. And again, it's usually not intentional. Like, it's usually not, hey, I feel like gossiping right now. It's just, man, we just do this and we shouldn't because that brings about quarreling. 32% of you guys, we did that survey about, what, three, four weeks ago? 32% of the church said that they struggle and that they gossip on a frequent basis, Right? So, so that, listen, that's, okay, 32% of us are struggling and battling this sin, um, but think about it, that's 32% more quarreling, if you will, in our world. And man, we, man, we're like, oh, the gossip's not a big deal, but I don't want to see people fighting, right? Like, I don't want to see people hurt, and yet we do the thing that leads to the hurt, right? Because they are not just independent, they're very connected to one another. And so that's just one uh, option, or one thing we need to look at. So again, life or death, everything you say will fall upon an actual person. Um, the, ne the next one, in communicating truth to others, I think we need to get better at. Verse uh, 12, 17, Proverbs 12, 17, and 19 says this. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment, right? Now, again, and, and let me say this. A lot of the stuff you'll hear is not going to be like brand new. You're like, oh, should I use my words to be terrible? Obviously, you're going to say no, okay? Hopefully, okay? If you said yes, we should meet, okay? Um, uh, and, and so you're, you're not thinking that. And, and then we get to this one. You're like, yeah, I, I was told since I was a child I probably shouldn't lie. Like, I should tell the truth. I like, I tell Finley all the time. You're like, are you, using, are you telling the truth right now? Are we lying right now? Let's be honest. Let's be truthful. And so we try and model that, right? I mean, like from your, from your early days. So none of this is like, oh, shocker, I'm not supposed to lie, right? But do you realize the depths and the pain that your lying brings? That deceit, literally, I mean, the Bible is communicating, man, that this stuff is going to be foolish and will not last. You will not be able to hide behind your lie for very long. I was thinking this week of just all the moments, man, where I have lied, and there have been a lot, okay? Uh, and... You know, like I would say uh, most of it, a good chunk of it was before I, I, I fell in love with Jesus. But man, obviously since then, there's been times too where I've just outright deceived people for my own kind of personal self-protection, right? Like that's happened uh, and that's terrible, okay? Um, but I was thinking to my past and then like the story that kind of popped into my head was when me and some buddies, and the reason why it popped in my head, I'll get to in just a second, but me and some buddies, it was high school and so give me some leeway, but we thought it'd be really funny to get a water balloon launcher, 
um, and hide behind houses close to the security guard shack of the gated community I lived in, right? So this is this ultimate, like, upper middle class, just privilege, like, you know, lame story. But, um, and so we would just launch water balloons at, at the security guards. And we would sneak under, like, we would, like, kind of, like, army crawl to their little cruisers. And if you put, I don't know why I'm telling, for you kids, do not do this, but I'm going to tell it anyway, okay? Um, if you put duct tape behind a tire, Okay, um, and they roll over it, and you have a nice long piece on either end. What happens is the car goes, the the tape bundles up, and then it hits the wheel well and goes, and it sounds like a flat tire. And so when someone would get out of their car, they would begin driving away and like, dang, I got a flat tire. And they would get out and they look at it and it looked fine. They're like, this is weird. And they get back in, and you would just see these police officers every like ten yards get out of their car looking for this until they found the tape and then yelled, where are you? You know, and then we would shoot into the water balloon. Like, I mean, it was just, we thought it was hilarious until <laughs> we're, uh, one of the places we'd hide is on the golf course, which would kind of be behind the, on the golf course behind these houses, and, and you'd shoot these balloons over, and eventually a, a, a police car runs up on us and catches us. And it was as we were coming off the golf course, we were all done for the evening, we were ready to head home, Okay. And he says, hey, what are you guys doing? And da-da-da. And like right away, he draws a gun on us, which I was like, well, this seems excessive, but okay. You know, so he draws a gun. He's pointing a gun at me and my six friends. One of my buddies says, hey, man, should I make a run for it? I said, no, dude, it's water balloons. Like, don't die for water balloons. And so, so anyway, he says this to us, and, and, he, and no one, he's like, what were you guys doing? Were you, were you guys, you know, doing this thing? And we're looking around like, who's going to speak? And I'm like, I'll do it, you know. And so I step forward. And I say, no, sir. Actually, here's what happened is, is one of our friends, we knew our friends were doing that. So actually, we went on the golf course to stop them. So like we were looking for them to tell them this is a bad idea. They're great people. You should leave them alone. And this is the story I'm trying to sell to the guy, right? And so meanwhile, my buddy who's standing next to me, in our group, he was the Christian guy, Right? Like, we didn't have any Christian friends except for this dude, and, and he was, like, devout, right? Like, leader in young life, went to church every Sunday, a legit guy, loved Jesus, was always trying to get us to come, the whole deal. And so the guy, of course, the police officer says, is that true? And just happens to ask the Christian dude, okay? And I'm like, we're good. Like, he loves, you know, he's going to lie for us. And he goes, no, it was us. <laughs> and we all look at him like, dude, we were good, you know? And literally for like the next year, we just hated that kid. Like he, and not literally, like he still hung out with us, but he got beat up a lot <laughs> in a friendly way, you know, like you do that in high school. And like, and, and I looked back on that story this week and I thought to myself, like, man, I remember how upset and frustrated our whole friend group was because we had to go spend the night in Canyon Lake Jail, which, again, it's a gated community's jail. So there was, like, flat screens and champagne. Like, it was just really nice. So we're like, all right, we'll just come here every night, you know. And, and so, but we were really mad that we got arrested by this cop and, and, we, and we, we, we thought, man, this, this kid doing what was right was, like, the ultimate sin to us. And the officer said something to us as he's kind of closing this fake jail. It's like just a door. And he's closing the door on us. He said, man, if y'all just would have told the truth, we'll let you go. We get what you guys are just trying to have fun. It's better that you're doing this than some other things you could be doing, you know. And I remember just thinking that moment. And, like, in the moment, I was like, yeah, right, you know. But I think about, hon like, honestly going back to that and thinking, like, what if we just would have been like, yeah, man, we're really sorry. Like, we shouldn't have done it. Or even if we had been arrested or whatever for doing something stupid, we were doing something stupid. 
And so we deserved whatever consequence we got. And yet, man, this, this Christian guy who did it the right way, okay, and in honesty and in truth was hated on. And so I say all of that to say, man, I know in this culture it is difficult to be honest. That in the circles that we all run in, that sometimes, man, because of self-protection or protection of others, we feel like a mistruth is the best way to go. And every single time it is not. It's just not. God is a God of honesty and truth, okay? He has not spoken a lie. He will not speak a lie. We are to do the same. Now, if you have to speak a lie, like if you're feeling that in your, in your heart, in your gut, man, I just, this one I need to, right? I just have to to protect me or protect someone else. Then it's probably because you did something stupid to get you there, right? Like it probably is because you did something that you're ashamed of that you shouldn't have done in the first place and now you feel the need to lie and so you're doing sin on top of sin instead of sin, confession, repentance, and truth, which is the calling of the Christian life, okay? So that, that's number two, I think, when you get better at it. The third one, um, uh, in place of others as advocates. Proverbs 12, 6, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright delivers them. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, okay? So, so your words, listen, are powerful enough will be received in such a way that they can actually bring about deliverance and healing where there is bondage and brokenness and pain. Again, this, this heavy reality that your words matter, church, that the Holy Spirit didn't just come into you just to convict you, but rather convict you and counsel you to be a blessing unto this world in one way is through your words, to advocate for those who cannot always advocate for themselves. Because the reality is, is that all of us in here, regardless of your story, you have been placed in a certain place in your life with certain gifts and talents to use your voice to advocate and to care for other people. But in the midst of that, some of us are in better positions to do that than others, right? Like some of us have been placed in places with certain types of things and privileges that allow us to speak in such a way that our words will be heard better than other people. That's just fact, Okay, that some people will listen to me because I'm a pastor, then they'll listen to you who's not a pastor, right? And in that instance, it has nothing to do in that sense of your color or your background. It's because this is my title, and so people will take my advice as greater wisdom than your own. And that's probably not even true and maybe not even a good thing, but that's just the way it is. Some of us, because of the color of our skin, right, are able to advocate and step into situations and speak in such a way where others are not as able. And that's just a reality of life. I grew up in the South, and here's what's interesting about Louisiana, is, man, there's a ton of white people, and there's a decent amount of black people, and there's, like, me, who's, like, this weird brown color in between, right? So, and, and most people think I'm Hispanic. I'm Asian, all this, so everyone knows I'm Asian, right? And so, man, people didn't know what to do with an Asian Mexican-looking dude in the South. And so I was always kind of the weird one. And so that meant things for my childhood that then people had to kind of speak into and help me navigate in the whole deal. And so the, the realities of this world, is that, and it's across all sorts of barriers. In the, like you have, some of you have been placed specifically in certain professions and groups that God would equip you with knowledge and with wisdom that you could speak to that group better than I could right? And so this is why we believe all of life is all for Jesus. This is why we bring up profession after profession after profession onto stage, because what business do I have stepping in front of a bunch of teachers and telling teachers how to be teachers, 
when a teacher who loves Jesus can do that far better than I could. See, they have been placed, equipped, trained with wisdom in the presence of God to be able to speak into that circle better than I have. And so what I'm saying is your words need to be used to advocate for others and for broken parts of our society wherever God has called you and equipped you and gifted you and given you wisdom. And to keep it to yourself and for us to continue to allow brokenness in this world and not say anything about it is not okay. On a macro level, the church needs to care about it all. And we need to have an opinion, and we need to have an engagement, and we need to have a voice in it all. Because the reality is, is that now, as you see the descending numbers of people who would align with Jesus as Savior and Lord, they're looking less and less to the church, and they're looking more and more to outside sources to give them truth. And it does not help if the church who possesses truth, the absolute truth, if we are silent on the application of that truth, because instead of finding it here, they'll find it elsewhere, and that will be the one they believe. And so we got to speak up, okay, and advocate for those in all sorts of situations that can't advocate for themselves, okay? Um, the last one is in sharing the gospel for others. Man, you are supposed to, Christian, use your words, use your voice to tell people that Jesus came here, he died for, you, for the sins of the world, and that in him, in his resurrection, you can find new life, not just here, but for eternity. Like, you're supposed to tell that to people. And when you don't, I think we're in sin. When I don't, I think I'm in sin. When people I know that I love and I care for, man, that I will not utter a word about Jesus to them, and that's on me. That, that, that's sin, because I know the good I ought to do, and I don't do it, so for me, it is sin. So I'm not trying to step in as Holy Spirit for your heart or your life right now, but if you've had that conviction and you're like, man, no, I'm supposed to let this person know. I'm supposed to invest. I'm supposed to love, and I'm supposed to tell them with my mouth, with words, that Jesus loves them, died for them, and has a better plan for life than they could ever imagine. And so to leave their foolish, sinful uh, ways and repent and walk in truth in life and be saved, man, like, if I don't say that for me to sin and for you too, are you supposed to communicate the gospel? I mean, it is, it's Jesus like, go and tell the world that this has happened. Go and make disciples of the whole earth, telling them of everything and teaching them everything I have commanded and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We hold it in. And hear me, like, let me be very clear. Some of you, you're just terrified to do that, and I get that. Not everyone is this super loud, annoying extrovert like me, okay? Like my wife, Verity, I know, like what, she's wiser than me, she's smarter than me, she has more knowledge than I do, but she is crazy shy and barely likes talking to me most days, okay? And so I, I for her to say, babe, like, you, you, you know, you need to get out there, like, she'd be, she's coming to the 11, right? So when she hears that, she's like, oh, gosh, like, thank you, like, me, like, I have... And so we, we work and wrestle through that. So for her, it probably looks different than it does for me. So for me, maybe it's like, dude, I'm the guy that's probably going to talk to this, the random person on the street or talk to the bartender getting, when I'm getting a, a juice. And so, <laughs> sorry, uh, you know, I'm talking to the five guys guy. And so, you know, like, um, but some of you are not me. And so that, here, but that doesn't let you off the hook that you're supposed to tell people about Jesus. It just means, man, we need to figure that out. 
usually what that probably means is you need to know people a little better, feel a little more comfortable. So maybe it's not just a person on the street, but I guarantee you each and every one of you introverts in this place knows a non-Christian that needs to know about Jesus. And maybe you said something, maybe you haven't. What I found, not surprising in a bad way, but when we, gave, when we took that, up that survey and that census uh, about our church, it was, I think it was like 95% of you said that you've shared the gospel with someone else, which I was like, that's incredible, right? But man, I feel like I've met with 95% of you, and when we've talked about it in person, that hadn't been true. So I, I want to help us navigate what that looks like because the reality is that your words as they fall upon the ears of people or falling upon the ears of people who need life and need life abundant here and forevermore. That they're falling upon the ears of people who need to know the gospel, that need to know that Jesus loves them, that needs to know, and there's a quote that I, I, just, I used, I think, last week, and I said this week, and I spoke in university, but that you are far more, uh, you're far more sinful and flawed than you'd ever dare believe, but far more loved and accepted than you'd ever dare hope. Like People need to know that truth for all sorts of reasons in their life. And so in those four ways, I think those are the four ways that we need to, we need to pursue and we need to care, okay? Um, and so here's the, the final crescendo of this, is what do we do now? Because we can take all these advice and then we can do what we often do, which is, all right, well, I'm going to leave here and I'm just going to talk to people more and I'm going to say nicer things and I'm going to encourage my spouse and my friend and my children and my coworkers better. Like, I'm going to do all of that, Okay? And maybe that will last you for a bit, okay? But it will wear off at a certain point unless we deal with the biggest issue, which we find in Luke 6.45, who says this, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. So at the end of the day, church, if we find that we are not communicating in such a way that lines up with scripture, that lines up with wisdom, the issue, you don't have a communication problem, you have a heart problem. Like we, we have an internal problem that needs to be dealt with because what the Bible tells us is the words that flow out of your mouth and my mouth, that what it is is your heart is filling up with stuff and eventually when it gets to the top, it falls over and it comes up out of your mouth and that's what you speak. So the question is, what is your heart full of? It's supposed to be for me and for you and for the church, it's supposed to be full of the grace, the love, the goodness, and the fruit of the Spirit of God. But too often we fill it with other junk, right? We, we fill it with other stuff. We, we fill it with the other information of the world, the other stories of the, the world, and then that's what we speak out of. So we speak out of, man, self-service instead of self-sacrifice, right? Because the world says, no, 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 like, get, do you, man, like, get you, get yours. When the Bible's like, no, 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 like, give it away, care for others, do what Jesus did, die to self. So out of the overflow of your heart. So we do not have a communication problem. We have a heart problem. And there's only one solution for that. And it doesn't involve you trying harder. It doesn't involve you leaving here and just like having a rubber band on. And every time you say a cuss word or you hurt somebody that you flick yourself on the wrist. It has to do with your heart's pursuit of Jesus. John 1.1. 1, 1. 1 Peter 2.22 and 23. And 1 Timothy 2. The last scriptures I'll use. And it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
On to verse 12. To all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And the word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. First Peter 2, he committed no sin, neither was deceit ever found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. First Timothy 2, 4, who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This is the heart of the Father. This is the heart of Jesus that moved him to not once utter a single word of deceit, despair, lying, but rather that he engaged, loved, gave away grace and life and humility and goodness and the fruit of the Spirit all the days of his entire life because his vision and his mission was greater than that of his own self-preservation. And it needs to be for us too. What do we fill our hearts with? It needs to be the Spirit of God and the mission that he's called us to. That we would love people well. That we would begin to see people created in the image of God for just that. Beautiful. Made in his image. Broken, sinful, yes. Making terrible decisions, sometimes hurting you, yes. But made in his image nonetheless. Needing redemption and restoration and knowing that God has equipped you with the same thing that he himself possessed in Genesis chapter 1 when he spoke this world into existence and that is a voice to communicate truth and life and hope and goodness. And church, that's our calling. But we need to, in our own hearts, make sure that's what our pursuit is. And then the rest of that stuff, man, it'll get a lot easier to obey the commands of Scripture, the wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Man, if our hearts are constantly filling up and overflowing with the goodness and the presence and the gospel of God. Amen?